Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 30 of the Essential X Lapsed, where it's a, a very, very early morning recording. Um, not that anyone would know that if I didn't uh, just say that, but uh, yeah, gotta gotta get this in early today. I uh, don't have a dentist appointment, thankfully, but uh, the wife and I are going to be going up to the mountains today. She wanted to take a, uh, a day trip, which... I mean, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, that means that we went on the trip yesterday, so hopefully we had a good time and uh, I didn't get too tired driving for many, many hours. Whatever the case, it looks like it's going to be like 25 degrees cooler up there, and uh, there actually is a comic store that's open four hours a day, and uh, a used bookstore that I've never been to, so hopefully I'll be coming back with some uh, some treasures worth sharing. It's, it's always kind of exciting when you discover a new comic store, right? I remember as a kid, like, you'd always think that everything you wanted that your local store didn't have would be at that one that was just out of reach, you know? And sometimes it was a disappointment when you actually made it there, and other times it was like, hey, you know, this is some different stuff, some stuff that I don't usually see. So fingers crossed that uh, that there'll be something, something worth getting up there. But uh, enough about my day. Let's get into today's book here. Thankfully, it's a... Uh, it's another uh, fake-ass vacation episode for me. It's uh, more mental so there isn't a whole lot to say. Uh, let's get into it. Strange Tales 142, March 1966, cover date. This is the uh, the second and penultimate chapter of the mental trilogy. Stories called Who Strikes At? S.H.I.E.L.D. Written and edited by Stan Lee, pencils Jack Kirby, inks Mike DeMio, letters Artie Simic, colors uh, the gremlins in the bullpen, Cover price, 12 cents. Now, I would like to say we pick up right where we left off, but uh, but I can't. <laughs> For a minute, I actually thought I started reading the wrong issue here. Uh, we open, we've got a giant robot running amok at S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters, firing off gas grenades, lasers, uh, just making a real mess of things. It's allegedly the, uh, the Wild Bill robot, and uh, rumor has it, nothing can get past it. You know, if it wasn't malfunctioning like it is right now. And, oh, by the way, S.H.I.E.L.D. still stands for Supreme Headquarters International Espionage Law Enforcement Division. So that has not changed within the month, right? Now, from here, we get a page of dial-turning action. Like, literally, a S.H.I.E.L.D. scientist starts spinning some dials on the Kirby Tech Wall O-dials to finally bring the Wild Bill bot to a halt. Now, Fury, he's already hit the deck here. He's on the ground. And as the dust settles, he wants to get the name of the Nudnik who okayed this wild Bill robot before Tony Stark had a chance to give it the once-over. Then, uh, Fury and the Geeks are joined by some MP-looking fellas. Uh, They've stormed into the room after hearing the fracas, and they assume that perhaps the dread menace of Mentalo was the cause of it. So I guess we are reading the right issue. Now, Nick scoffs at the thought, even though when we wrapped up last issue, he was certain that Mentalo was the most dangerous man alive. Now, he is sure at this point that Mentalo is just some phony cornball and not much of a threat. He then heads into the ESP division lab where Dr. Nordstrom is tickling his tinker toy. And those are Nick's words, not mine. Um, I can translate for you, though. Uh, Nordstrom is adding a Stark Tech automatic encephalogram, I think that's the word, inducer into the brainwave stimulator. So this is so the ESP team who are hooked up to that crazy machine with the blinders. They can project what they perceive mentally onto a convex screen so everyone can see it. 
And as luck would have it, no sooner do they hook this thing up than the espers get a bead on Mentolo. Don't know exactly where he is, though. He's swimming underwater. Now, Fury is very amused by this, and he suggests that this show is almost as good as the Flintstones. So, uh, well, how about we join Mentolo? And it's uh, worth noting, since the espers cannot project sound, Fury and company can only see the images without any sort of context clues, right? But we are reading a comic book, so it's almost like we have super esper powers, right? So let's do it. Mentolo, he's underwater trying to locate the Fixer. Now, the Fixer has hidden himself in an underwater base that has been protected by all manner of booby trap. Well, the thing of it is, Mentolo's mind-reading powers allow him to swiftly navigate the deadly obstacle course. I'm not sure how that works. Um, can he read booby trap's minds? I, uh, far be it from me to question his methods here. Uh, anyway, Mentolo finds his way into the underwater base, and he introduces himself. Fixer is stunned, claiming that only a mind reader could ever find him in his secret base, which is, you know, kind of the kind of the gag here, I guess. Back to Fury. Now, he sees Mentolo and the Fixer having their powwow, but as mentioned, he can't hear what they're saying to one another. Now, Fury also claims to have heard of the Fixer, even though I'm pretty sure his first appearance was last issue, at least that's what the Marvel Wiki says, and uh, we know that we can take anything we read there to the bank, so... Anyway, Fury, being the level-headed strategist, and perhaps even a mind reader himself, immediately knows that the Fixer and Mentolo are going to team up and try to take down S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, maybe he's a lip reader. Uh, I don't know. Oh, and it's also worth noting that we get our third Tony Stark name drop in five pages here when Nick compares the Fixer's genius to that of Stark's. Now, Nick, he ain't too worried. He's sure they're going to beat the baddies to the punch. But Doc Nordstrom isn't so sure. After all, they could be anywhere. All they know is that they're somewhere underwater. And that's all it takes for Nick to change his tack here. He thinks to himself, uh, well, I guess we're going to have to wait for the bad guys to strike first, which is uh, what you always want your, uh, your field commander to say. He then enters a sparring room where a bunch of shirtless shielders are playing uh, American Gladiators. Um, now, they've got these like weird gadgets that uh, broadcast inaudible frequencies to upset their opponents' nervous systems. Now, Fury gives it the thumbs up, but he kind of barks at them at the same time, because he's, he's very stressed out, you see. And even though this nervous system disruptor gimmick is super cool, it won't be of any use against Mentolo. So, I guess Mentolo doesn't have a nervous system, then. Okie doke. Um, Fury then heads into the communication section of S.H.I.E.L.D., where he's uh, literally adorned with an intercontinental telephone hookup. It's like he's wearing a suit of phone. Like, phone receivers as collar lapels and everything. It's insane. It's really just like, uh, if Jack Kirby were to, you know, um, invent the phone, this is what it would look like. And, I mean, this is Jack's art, of course. Now, he calls into somewhere, uh, basically to goad the readers into picking up Tales of Suspense number 75. Now, he speaks about something called Inferno 42 and someone called Batrak Ziliber, who is making his debut fighting Captain America over in suspense. So, uh, great plug, Stan. I, 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 mean, I mean, Nick. Anyway, back to the story. The Fixer and Mentolo are barreling towards S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ in the Think Tank. Well, no, I, I wish it was a Think Tank. It's actually a, and I mean, this is the technical term, uh, the, a through-the-ground tank. 
Okay. Oh, and we also get our fourth Tony Stark name drop in six pages here. The Fixer mentions that he's getting help from a group that he only refers to as them. Mentolo, the mind reader, isn't sure who he's talking about. The Fixer laughs that Mentolo might never know that information. But, like, he's he's a mind reader. He, he read the mind of, of booby traps it's like three pages ago. He can't read... I mean, that's his only gimmick. Oh, well. Mentolo curbs the conversation as he's getting a mental impression that there's danger up ahead, so he can read the mind of a wall, apparently. And he's right, uh, so long as you consider a thick concrete wall to be a danger. Anyway, the baddies part their through-the-ground tank, and they try to figure out their next course of action, and it turns out that the Fixer's got it well under control. Now, he's going to use his turbo blowers to create a Jericho tube effect, which will knock down the walls, you know, biblically speaking. And so that's exactly what he does. He blows into this thing, the walls just come tumbling down. So now they're inside S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ. I gotta say, the first time I read through this, the coloring is very flat, and the backgrounds are very, very sparse. I mean, there's nothing in the background. So for a moment, I thought we were still underwater. Like, it's baby blue outside, and there's absolutely nothing in the background. So for all I know, they were underwater. They're not, but it looks like it. Now, the Fixer pulls a large machine out of his back pocket. It's a static distorter, which will shut down all communications in the area. And what do you know? It works. Now, we see that the Shieldsters are attempting to use their staticky FaceTime uh, machine devices to chat up Nick Fury, and it cuts out. So, communications done be blocked. We next shift over to Fury and company, who are wearing, like, weird fishbowl helmets. Well, maybe less fishbowl, more like magic bullet blender cup helmets. It's like kind of, if you've seen a magic bullet cup, it's, it's that, basically. Now, this definitely didn't help my perception that they were all underwater, by the way, because, I mean, they're wearing, perhaps they're wearing breathing apparatuses, I don't know. Anyway, the good guys spring a trap on the interlopers, and it's uh, one of those, like, walls-closing-in types of, uh, of traps, right? And I f- tell you what, when I was a kid, that was, like, one of my biggest fears, like, uh, seeing the trash compactor scene in Star Wars, you know? It's like, what would you do in that sort of situation? It's uh, something that stuck with me and really left an impression. I don't know why I was so scared. It's not like I'm going to run into that in, in the real world, but, uh, yeah, what are you going to do? So, yeah, the Fixer and Mentolo are about to be crushed. And, for whatever reason, the Jericho tube will not affect these walls closing in. Now, thankfully, Mentolo is able to mentally sense the weakest spot in these closing-in walls. And again, I'm not sure how this works. Is he reading the mind of a wall again? Uh, Anyway, he places a mechanical radar crab on this weak spot, which somehow produces a radioactive isotope that eats through the wall. What now? (laughs) And I gotta tell you, these guys got deep pockets. I don't know where they're pulling these gimmicks out of, but... uh, They've got them. Anyway, the baddies step through the hole in the wall, likely breathing in all that radioactivity in the process. Once through, Mentolo warns that they gotta stop, because he can now mentally sense that there's hidden armaments in yet another wall. And what do you know, a panel opens up on a nearby wall, revealing a half dozen stun guns, so Mentolo can now read the minds of guns. Now, lucky for the bad guys, the Fixer just so happened to have a vibro-missile deflector in his back pocket, I tell you, Deep pockets. 
Now, while he shields them from the stun guns, Mentalo fires a grenade at the salvo of stunners, blowing it up real good. So the baddies can continue their approach, and they do approach one final door. And when they get there, Mentalo can sense Fury and company on the other side. And I tell you what, now that makes sense considering his powers. Uh, you gotta assume that Fury and even Dum Dum have minds that can be read, right? And so, Fury and the Shieldsters raise their rifles in preparation to perforate the geeks. Only the Fixer had a pair of anti-grav propellants in his pocket, and so the dirty duo fly overhead as they make their grand entrance. Now, Fury and the gang, they fire anyway. They, they shoot their guns anyway, wildly missing both of the bad guys. And then, the Shieldsters start dropping like flies. Now, you see, the Fixer is using neutrino shells, which release something called Element Z. Now, this can seep its way through any armor and or magic bullet blender cup, which, I tell you what, that's pretty convenient. So, Mentalo and the Fixer, they've taken down S.H.I.E.L.D., and they save Nick Fury for last. And while he lay unconscious, they affix an electronic mask to his face, which will alter the cerebellar pattern of his brain, which will leave him subservient to our villains. And that is how we leave it. Next time out, we end the monumental Mentalo trilogy. So let's talk about this, uh, this short story here. Um, I tell you what, when I discovered that this Mentalo trilogy was a thing, and that it was occurring in a uh, Nick Fury Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. strip, I, I, was, I was conflicted, you know? I was a little bit excited to perhaps broaden my horizons and, and read something I never read before. But at the same time, I was a bit trepidatious that uh, this was going to be insanely boring. Because, you know, I'm the war books, the S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff, that, that really doesn't uh, rock my socks. And, I mean, I've been, I've been upfront about that as we've been going through these programs. So I was uh, kind of wishy-washy about it. Like, I wanted to do it for completionism, but at the same time, it's like, well... Huh, can I can I just let this slide <laughs> and not do it? Because I was not interested in reading anything about uh, Nick Fury and his Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I tell you what, the one thing that this story has not been is boring. I mean, it's nonsensical. It's silly, for sure. I mean, silly is kind of the uh, catch-all descriptor for these books, right? But uh, I'm having a, a great time with this. This is just so... Uh, um, <laughs> I don't want to say mindless, but I mean, it really helps if you don't think too hard about these. Like, I had my fun going through the synopsis here, kind of poking fun at, uh, you know, these the deep pockets that the bad guys have, which is something we're not supposed to think about, right? I mean, that's just silliness. <laughs> if, you, if you look at a character who's just, you know, wearing a regular outfit, and somehow they're able to pull, you know, all these huge guns and all these big devices out of nowhere, out of thin air... I mean, it'd probably best serve us to just disengage the uh, the more logical parts of our mind and uh, just let it happen, right? Just don't think too hard about it. I think my problem is that I came up during a far more cynical time in comics. You know, I came in where Rob Liefeld would draw someone with a gun five times the size of their body that they didn't have the panel prior, right? They somehow manifested a, you know, 300-pound hand cannon, you know, and that's something that I, we accepted it then, but as we became far more intellectual, uh, as, as comics enthusiasts as a whole, as we approached the turn of the century, 
that's when we all started to like see ourselves as being a lot smarter than we used to be, and we would point out these things it's like, well, hey, how how did Cable get that gun? It's like, well, we didn't think about it back in 1991, but now that it's 1999 and we're so much smarter than we were back then, well, now now it's cool to make fun of that kind of thing. And I tell you, I'm not putting myself above that fray because I'm sure I was right there with uh, those people making fun of that early 90s stuff because it was kind of the thing to do. I think we're a uh, we're a very self-congratulatory fandom at times, uh, especially when we're overcorrecting or just correcting course, maybe. I don't know if it's overcorrection, but it is a uh, like a shift in how we kind of view and receive these things. Uh, you know, I, I mean, you don't need me to go through the history. Lord knows I've done it <laughs> more than enough on this channel. But even with all that said, uh, I had a really good time with this issue. Uh, writing up the... Writing up the synopsis was just a lot more fun than I was expecting. Like, just all the silliness that uh, I got to point out here. Like, Nick Fury kind of changing his mind on a dime here. It's like, hey, we'll beat them. No, no, we won't. Oh, okay, I guess we won't. Such a dramatic shift in attitude in, like, the course of one panel. I, I just, I thought that was adorable. <laughs> um, mental reading the minds of inanimate objects is... Just hysterical, especially when he can't read the mind of his partner, the Fixer, when he wants to find out who them are. It's just insane. And of course, there are the immensely deep pockets of our bad guys, which uh, is, I mean, that just tickles me more than it should. And this is uh, one of those situations where it's like the, the Silver Age silliness, right? Uh, the story of, like, Lex Luthor spending $5 billion creating a robot so he could break into a bank and steal fifty grand. You know, the silliness there... We've got the Fixer and Mentolo, who, I mean, from all accounts here, should be able to do whatever the hell they want and could be living the life. But instead of robbing banks or taking over small countries, they want to take over S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, let's play that out, right? So they let's say they win. Let's say they win. What exactly do they win? They, they run S.H.I.E.L.D. And they still have to answer to people who are probably going to take them out. I don't know, just more stuff I don't think we're supposed to think about, but, um, you know me, the, uh, the cynical part <laughs> will, uh, never completely, uh, let go, but I think that's about all I have to say about this story, though I probably should say a thing or two about the art. You all know by now, uh, my thoughts on Jack Kirby's art, I, I go kind of hot and cold on it. Uh, in seeing his X-Men work... I wasn't the hugest fan of it. It felt very much like uh, the thing he would get to. And I mean, I'm projecting here completely, but it felt like it didn't get as much care as the Fantastic Four, say. But seeing here in this S.H.I.E.L.D. story, all the Fantastic Kirby tech, the silly phone outfit that Nick Fury's wearing, I, you can't not love it, right? It's just really, really good stuff. Really fun and imaginative, and I couldn't see it being done by anybody other than uh, than Kirby, so... Definitely think he's well-suited for this kind of story, and I definitely appreciated seeing his work here. But I think that is all I have to say about this story. I'm very excited to get to the uh, the senses-shattering conclusion, <laughs> which uh, I guess we'll see if it truly shatters our senses, but uh, that'll be a discussion for another day. Now, before we get out of here, let's do some shout-outs. Uh, these are the folks who took the time to click the little heart or the thumbs-up or the little swirly thing to... Uh, promote, share, and signal boost this little program. And I tell you what, the Return of Essentials uh, got a much better uh, reception than I was expecting, and a much better reception than, than usual. I guess uh, changing it up every once in a while is uh, more exciting 
right? If there's one thing I can say about the X-Lapsed branding is that it's, uh, it's very samey, you know? So folks might think they're seeing the same thing over and over again, though that doesn't stop them from sharing it when, you know, the 15 or 16 people a day share Batman and the Outsiders number one's cover or uh, the Jim Lee X-Men number one cover. But, uh, hey, I'm not putting myself in that same uh, rarefied air, but... Let's get into the shoutouts. Here on Twitter, I want to thank Ed Moore, Dan Films, Jeremiah, Tribal, Chris Bailey, Dave Schultz, Walt Neeland, Kevin Stowie Ray, Between the Pages blog, Gabriel, and Joe Crawford. Over on Facebook, I want to thank Andrew Franklin, Chris Bailey, Pat Sampson, Jacob Jones, Jeremiah Jones, Jesse D. Young, Walt Neeland, and Billy D. Thank you all so much for helping the show out. And there were some new names in there, so hopefully, uh, you gave the show a shot, and I really hope you enjoyed it. And if so, I would uh, love to hear from you, which I suppose is a uh, decent enough segue. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics. You can shoot me an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com, or you can leave a, a message on the x voicemail hotline at 623-396-JERK. Now, for blog posts and show notes, you can head over to chrisoninfiniteearths.com. You can join us on Facebook our little group, which uh, I guess Facebook is putting in some changes in groups right now. Uh, the group is 90s X-Men, 90s X-Men, no hyphen, no spaces. I guess you don't have to join groups to comment in them now. I don't know how that's going to work, but uh, hey, if you were, uh, if you have trouble with commitment like I do and you just want to like say a few words, you're always welcome. Everybody's welcome to, uh, to discuss whatever the hell you want over at 90s X-Men on Facebook. Finally, for all the Chris and Reggie audio archives, including all the X-Lapse programs, over 300 episodes of this uh, family of shows, you could head to chrisandreggie.podbean.com, and of course that is available everywhere the internet aggregates noise and sounds. And I haven't asked folks to spread the word in quite a while, but uh, if you do enjoy what you hear, or at least appreciate the effort that goes into it each and every day, I would love for you to spread the word, share the show, maybe tell a friend or two. It really, really helped me out, and it really helped the show. But with all that out of the way, uh, all that's left to do is say thank you all so much for sharing some of your day with me. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.